as soon as we <laughs> hit record, my tree guy just showed up to assess the tree damage in our backyard from the world's most insane storm that came on Wednesday. So we finally, it is, it, oh, one week later, we finally have people looking at our trees. So our insurance adjuster is coming out tomorrow. It's insane. That sounds exhausting. My life is absolutely insane. I know. We've barely spoken for like the last three weeks. I know. It's been weird. It's been weird. I agree. I've been keep. I've been meaning to call you, but it's been so busy. Yeah. It's been, I had family in town. You had life. I tried to get away. Tell you what, you you want to get your place very clean, not have to do anything. Have your mom stay with you for a week. Patty, wow, wow, <laughs> cleanest it's ever been. Oh my gosh, nine day. At one point in time, she goes. So I put a laundry basket with Everly's stuff in the corner, and I just thought. You know, you're not going to mind that it's there because no one's really ever over here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mom, you cut deep. Oh, man. Um, what are you looking at right now? So I have an idea, but I don't know if I, if I want to keep it for today's show. I have but an idea. You also have ideas. I have ideas. Yeah. So our boy was just on the Matt Frad show. How exciting was, was that? <laughs> oh, Five dude. hours. Four hours and 37 minutes with one pee break during uh, probably an ad for Hallow. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it was great. It was great. I was so proud of you. It was a fun show. No, it's cool. I was only three three and a half hours away. But still, like, that was really cool. I'm glad you were able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Luke, he he reached out to me and he was like, listen, Gauma, I don't want Luke on. I hate him. Really? Because I have the distinct impression we're going to spend the first 45 minutes talking about luke and that's indeed what we did <laughs> he said he doesn't want me on <laughs> no he did not say that oh insecurities. actually when we were we were like getting set up and we were just talking about stuff he goes how's luke and i go can we just be honest luke's your favorite <laughs> he's like i didn't know no and he was like who told you yeah 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 man so my, my life is absolute chaos right yeah. now it yeah. is absolute chaos and let me just say, I thank God I work for Paradisio's Day right now because I'm living the remote dream. I'm learning a whole bunch of crap about what it means to be a man. Meanwhile, my wife is dealing with all the uh, contractors <laughs> to fix our house. It's fine. Everything's fine. She had to be able to talk shop with them and hang out. And they're like, I'm learning stuff from her about how to be more like efficient and stuff and what's really going on. She's like, and this is how you make lists. Oh, see, oh. see. <laughs> oh, wow. That's racist. Yeah. Well, he is Hispanic. <laughs> His name is Caesar, and he is amazing. Ah, uh, nice. Maybe I'm the terrible one. So I have a cold in June. Do, do I sound sick? You do sound a little sick. Yeah, your boy. You like I don't know if it, it's sinuses. I'm, I'm feeling it in my nose, in my throat. Um, man, if I have allergies or sinuses, like what the heck? Mm, no thank you. Boo worms. So uh, yeah, so that's been terrible. Um, so since you're coming I, off the Matt Frad show, there's some stuff I was yeah. going to go into, but I'm like, you know what? We may have some new people who heard you from that show let's save yeah. the crap show that is our lives until next week okay fair enough so i mean we just go into it now so you don't want me to talk about my standing desk and my walking <laughs> under desk treadmill no you you'll find a way to bring it in regardless i will yeah no it's fair <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm not on it right now i'm next have you, to it have you ever seen big fish no but so, i know what you're talking about big yeah. fish is a wonderful film that i actually really encourage everyone to go watch that you're not going to own like at first but then the more you think about it over the years the more you're going to appreciate what it's doing and what it's 
what it is trying to I was say while also being a little bit frustrated by just the overall execution. But <laughs> basically in Big Fish, this guy just is telling his wife his dad is dying and he goes home and he has a hostile relationship to his dad because he feels like he doesn't re- he doesn't really know his dad all he knows of his dad are the stories his dad has told him and he's like these oh, right. stories are all fake but yeah. then the bulk of the film goes through those stories as if they were real kind of like it's like telling you yeah, the story yeah, yeah. that's right and you know it's like not real but it's like it like has a fantasy element to it but he's like i want to yeah. know the real you not this stuff yeah and in the end so spoiler alert his dad dies like you would expect oh no and He's talking to the guy, like, I think it's, like, the town doctor, and he's still, and he's able to, like, reconcile to his dad with, to, like, a certain extent, but he's still not able to quite get over, like, I didn't know the real him, like, what's, and, yeah. and his dad's the guy, like, tell these big stories and blah, 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 and so, and he spins a good yarn. Yeah, and he's talking with the doctor, and he goes, and, his, and, he, and then the doctor goes, when you were born, your dad was on, like, a sales call in Podunk, New Jersey. I think that story's a bit more interesting. <laughs> and it's and it's like and he's what he's trying to say is like the stories your dad told it contain real life truth to it but they're like it just makes the boring a bit more exciting and it's there's this thing to it when like when something is like is a mystery it's a bit more fun until you find out it's like oh so it's just that huh this is and like it reminds me a little bit of like when you said this is a lot of exposition for just a comment on your stand-up desk thing is that like when you learn like in Matt Fratson? Matt Fratson, you talk about how like obsessed you you get into stuff, which I'm not sure if you're aware is a classic ADHD trait, which is why the like two of us go about doing that. And it's yeah. like that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I'd rather just make fun of you for it. I would rather be wow, Luke. So what are you into this some decade? Last decade it was it was like it was it was like soccer. What are you going to make your entire personality about now? Cities with no cars. That's the answer. However, <laughs> um, have you discovered the YouTube channel? <laughs> not uh, not just bikes. <laughs> I always it's- became a supporter for like a once a or once a month for this thing about sustainable cities, oh, and I was like, awesome. Luke, you're in no position to do that right now. I was like, what about five dollars a month? What about five dollars a month? And I was like, no, the rule was not a thing. No new things, and not anything, you know, whatever. So, um, so you know what? I say, screw the screw reality. Let's embrace the mystery. Okay. So, see everyone. Oh, okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> my um, I you do you want me to tell you what I think the topic should be today? Yeah. All right. So the other day, the other day being, let's say three weeks ago, I sent you a tweet that says i was on a walk and i had some thoughts about bullet to binary part two by the band me without you uh, the you end, sent me a tweet i said a tweet uh, by tweet i meant text okay Whew. yeah this okay. is luke not feeling his best so prepare for a lot of things that aren't going to make sense hey but since we haven't talked basically at all in three weeks i can probably find it pretty quick <laughs> actually if you could pull it up that'd be great that'd be great uh so this is okay june 8th you know that's when you sent me the the, the thing that we read in the last podcast oh here it is here it is yep yep okay this is from june 9th thinking about our conversation about a sacrifice being at the heart of western civilization me without use bullet to binary part two and the end of harry potter okay Woo. i thought there was one more was there not one more thing uh the next text said can you record and add sometime <laughs> today before one central time oh my gosh i forgot to tell you i'm doing a sprint for work and shouldn't be doing this right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no i thought it was exactly okay. it 
I mean, I think there's probably in the context of some quote, uh, probably like you have to die a hero before every man dies a hero or he or he lives long enough to become the villain. Okay. I was thinking about that with regards to like, um, you know, we had a conversation maybe two weeks ago about Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, who's just a monster, yeah. and uh, a lot of other, other things about um, masculinity and developing healthy views of that stuff and, and the um, tension that can exist by following someone like Jordan Peterson and certainly the evil that someone like Andrew Tate proposes that i was thinking about like when you and matt had a conversation that i was like mm-hmm. oh this is the one i wish i've only seen about an hour of it but i was like this is the thing that i want to like i wish i could be there for this everything else i don't really i'm gonna care about it. um this was... is luke pissing on things that <laughs> that's I love. not true no no, no no really I, I wouldn't be able to add anything i would agree, I, I agree with like what you said see <laughs> that's, funny. I mean. that's the difference <laughs> so you could have said well you know i couldn't really contribute but it said it was like and i don't really care about the rest of that crap <laughs> But it's more funny the other way. It's more, I'm sorry. Do you want the mystery or do you want boring unreality? Do you want big fish? That was hurtful. Or do you want, I don't know, like you've been to a lot of places. <laughs> little yeah. fish crackers. Yeah. So, like, that's what I want. So, um, like, yeah, sacrifice. Yeah. So, uh, we, and, and you guys were going into, um, okay, well, let me start with, with a bullet to binary part, part two. Do you remember how that, song, how that song yeah. starts? Let us die. Let us die in dying. We reply. It sure does. Yeah. And then at the end, he does the thing where it's like everyone, everywhere. It's all, it's all about forgiveness. And yeah, all the time, everyone, everywhere, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the end of Harry Potter, like he dies. Like, I think Harry Potter is actually more about like an initiation into manhood. Cool. Having to okay. learn to bring about stuff is ultimately only through um, death mm. that, you, that you can overcome those, those things. And how like that's the heart of the West is it's like, yeah, it is. But then, in the Me Without You song, there's a really, really interesting thing where it's like the end, they go into about forgiveness. So it starts with death and it ends with forgiveness, which I think is fascinating. And when I think about like what you and Matt talked about, about how like Catholic content has gotten extremely volatile since around 2016. Yeah. Somewhere around then, things started to change. I don't know if it's the, I think it's not the election person. I actually think this and the, the election are like probably more on the symptoms of like a greater thing. And I remember Catholic stuff, maybe like three, four years ago, I had a podcast where they were just like, when did we become the villains? Or like, yeah, when did we love become the liberals? Episode. And they were like yeah. kind of calling out Taylor Marshall and Father James Martin. And how, and there's been this definite like oh, shift and, the, and this um, definite hus- hostility. And it's really like, uh, um, has made me think that like, when there is a lack of leadership by the people who are supposed to be leading you, it's filled with demigods. Mm-hmm. Things that you that you like cling to to hold on for like t- for some type of safety, and I'm like, oh wow, like so is this like why we're kind of in this like why everyone's so like angry? It's like we don't are ha- like, and here's the, here's like the real point here. We don't have a lot of um, as certainly as American Catholics, we could use with better um, leadership. I think we both would uh, would we both would agree with that. The problem is when we turn to like these demigods, we do so yeah. under an American lens or, or, or the like lens of, of the West, which is ultimately like I'm the one who determines like reality. So unless this makes sense to me, then it, then it only is right if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if I don't understand, if I don't understand, I think there's a lot of, this is one reason why I think everyone's gotten so hostile towards each, each other. There is a lot of um, this makes sense to me. This other part does not. Therefore, this has to be right. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to this attitude of um, a receptivity towards the church or these or these other. And I'm not saying that like people who are mad, that's what they're doing. But I'm saying this is why I think we have the screaming because we've got the we've got we really have the lack of leadership. So we all, so we already have the demigods, and then we're basically saying if this makes sense to me because it's ingrained in our brains that I'm the one who like my truth, my reality is this. If it makes sense to me, then it has to be real. Yeah. So we don't allow for a lot of mystery. There has to be right. answers here. There has to be answers. And if there's not, or if I'm uncomfortable with that, or it doesn't make sense, then it can't be right. And then because we basically have, we don't have this, like, we don't embrace death at, at all. We cling to these um, things as having to be right to give us any type, any type of, any type of meaning, which is why I think someone like Andrew Tate is able, I saw a tweet saying like high school kids are starting to look up to this dude. And I'm like, what? Like, wh- that's, that is the worst thing. Like that. That is not, I mean, this guy, like, may have been engaging in human trafficking. You know, like, this is really bad. This is really bad that we think that, like, this is okay. I'm like, why are we doing this? And I, I, I started to think about that while, while you guys talked. I'm like, I wonder if there's just a lot of, like, we're so angry and we're so willing to cling to stuff that if it makes sense, we'll say, well, then, yes, then this has got to be true because ultimately we still can't let go because it's ingrained in our brains. Like, you, you Honestly, like, you have to, like, there's a profound change that like probably is a lifelong thing to get to a point where like I'm not the one who's actually determining what is real or what's not. Mm. I, that is a lot. And I'm still trying to unpack a lot of that. So tell me what you think. Well, uh, I would say it sounds a lot like what I was reading in. Oh, I might have it here. The friendship of Christ from Robert Hugh Benson, which is a book that is so fascinating. I think it's the antidote to the, uh, what do you call it? The deconstructing discipleship stuff. Mm-hmm. I really do. If people could understand it before they deconstruct. That said, he talks a lot about the the soul as it's going through the purgative and illuminative stage. And and hang on, just a second. I, I don't think I need a lot of explanation actually. But he talks about like within yourself, you can have these great and profound spiritual um, maturity. But he said that Christ doesn't stop there. Christ's manifestation, you know, truth, grace, right to someone's heart the truth of the gospel is only part of how Christ reveals himself to humanity, right? So the incarnation, the historic reality, the paschal mystery, that's one. Two is scripture, three sacraments, right? And then our relationship with Christ as mm-hmm. I understand him. And then he has this great line where he says, and then the church, and that's the one that we don't really want to submit to especially when we have an advancement in our spiritual life. So he was basically saying Hmm. the greatest heretics in the history of the church are those who are almost at the very end of the illuminative stage, Mm -hmm. which is like super advanced, right? I'm not there, right? So I'm not a great heretic. Super advanced. He said, otherwise, how could, uh, of course they have to be this far advanced. Uh, How could they deceive so many of God's children, right? And he said, the one thing they are, or they are more sure of is that they are right and the church is wrong, right? And he said, that's where, that's where Christ becomes manifest in, like, this is how he safeguards the church, by giving mm-hmm. us the church so that you and I, even, even the, the, and this is a thing I see in the lives of the saints, even the horrible hierarchs, right, the horrible ones. The ones who are doing all sorts of stuff and they squash the saints because they are jealous of their 
you know, people flocking to him or whatever. Mm-hmm. God uses the horrible ones, the horrible bishops, the horrible dicastery mm-hmm. members who mm-hmm. are getting in the way of what God, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's still God working because he's making that saint better, right? So the priest who is stripped of his ability to celebrate mass, like Padre Pio, publicly, and even though that's all he ever wanted to do, that made Padre Pio holier, right? So even, even the horrible ones. So he says, he goes to and he talks about the external voice of Christ mm-hmm. in the church Right? We call him the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. He says, but the church is Christ. It's his body made manifest on the earth. Right? Yeah. Like, it's still Christ. And so, the, the, this is the difficult thing. It's like, and this is why, honestly, this is why I'm Catholic. I don't know if you remember several years ago, it might have been the USCCB Office of Young Adult Ministry, but it's like, why are you still Catholic? Tweet it out. And people were tweeting all these like folksy things, and you were like, because it's the bride of Christ, you son of a... Or, you know, do you remember that? Like, you said something funny and, yeah. and characteristically awesomely, Luke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone quietly was like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said what we were thinking. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's that notion that, like, if if what the Bible says about the church is true, then I need to check my truth and my rage against that. Now, I think the level of complication comes in where you have faithful theologians and faithful bishops and faithful priests Mm -hmm. and faithful saints who seem to now be contradicting one another or what was old is now viewed as bad or what is new is now viewed as bad. And you have quickly, you have this descent into camps because for every one Pope Francis quote, I can give you one JP two quote forever, you know, and the tit for tat that I don't like, obviously the, the, the the Holy Spirit guarantees the infallibility of the church. That doesn't mean Vatican II was perfectly inspired like Holy Writ, like sacred scripture. And so that's where I think a lot of this confusion comes in. And um and I think you're right around that date of twenty sixteen, because I bet you you could probably back it up. It's just like that notion of momentum. There's probably a lot of stuff going, but like that flywheel is just starting to spin. And I think the reason is because Audio podcast, and then probably in the in the twenty teens, video podcast, namely YouTube, became accessible to the masses, and Catholics were like, "Oh, hey, technology! It's not just for porn, right?" Yeah. And that's where I think you have. <laughs> I mean, so it is, funny. but that was right. so funny, <laughs> right? Right, but I'm you know what I mean? Like, good. there's a there's a fear of like, yeah. oh, live streaming services. Look, women with thong butts well, everywhere, and, and, I, and then everyone I'm, gets their own show. Yeah, right. And and yeah. you can. Like I can turn this camera on. And for people who are less intelligent than me, I can win them over to my cause, which no one should ever do. Right? Well, and I, there, there's a couple things. I think you're right about like the internet. Like, because that's what you basically said on on Matt's show. And I agree with that. I, I do think there's an element of I think it's Allison Dur- oh, McIntyre Go talks on. about how people are just gonna be screaming over each other because their first up premise is off. This is what yeah. it leads to. I think there's an element of that going on with all this as as well. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, I think, though, so his argument, what Luke's refer- referring to, and After Virtue talks about... You're so excited about this, aren't you? Well, I've learned to talk about it briefly in a way that's still engaging. Hmm. Probably not. Believe when but I But in Chapter 1, he sets up, like, three different arguments, like abortion, capital punishment, or whatever. But when in Chapter 2, he says, now, why do we yell at each other? We yell at each other not because we're being illogical, but because we have different starting points. If our first principles are fundamentally different, Mm-hmm. then even if our conclusions are similar, they're still fundamentally different. So 
A Thomist would say that abortion is wrong because it's the unjust killing of an innocent human life. A Kantian might say abortion is wrong because you take that, that principle of action, apply it universally, it'd wipe out the whole human race. A utilitarian would say, no, pro-abortion, pro-this, unless there's certain, you know, whatever. So he was trying to show in After Virtue that all these different like moral schemes that we have, schemas that we have, frameworks of viewing morality as such and life as such, mm-hmm. they're so different. Even though we use the same language, like good and evil rights and you know wrongs and all that stuff, even though we use that language, we're talking past each other using the same language. Yeah. And he said, so that's why, and this is the great, one of the great, parap- I'm going to paraphrase it, but great lines from the book is, at the end of the day, politics becomes shrill. We just mm-hmm. yell at each other because we don't have the same first principles. So we can't come to conclusions together. So we just yell at each other. And he said, and that is why the lawyers are the clergy for the, for the new millennium, because it used to be the church would resolve these things. And now it can't because we no longer have that as first principle. So now it's like, well, it, it, we'll see what the Supreme Court says. And it just kind of gets left out there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like, that's what's one of the things that's so interesting about a lot of this stuff is when you have these, um, when you have these gaps, when you have mm-hmm. like a lack of leadership. And really, I think something like, I don't know if it's really a lack of, I think there is a lack of leadership. I think there are a lot of great bishops now who are trying to do stuff. And I think there are people who are trying to do a lot of, a lot of good stuff in the past. So I don't even know if that's even the right way to, put yeah. this but it's like is the structure itself the way it exists right now even the best fit or are we or have we you know what i mean like is it better to, should we quadruple the amount of um the diocese that we have should we change mm. a bit of like how these dioceses are you know like like it's because we have a democratic pluralistic society yeah. with a lot of competing interests and that's not necessarily a bad thing right you know and and so but when, when there's a gap and people aren't sure then you get then you like get the demigods and they're the ones who are coming in that you can just you can just immediately cling to and one of the things that's tough i think is you you said those kind of like four things that people when it comes to christ you can you just go over what those four things were were again from the unfriendship of christ book four things yeah you were you like you ha, you have the sacraments you have your oh, own oh, yeah. <laughs> well he, he has actually more than four i just listed the four but oh. it's like you're into well, number one christ coming in history mm-hmm. right and then christ coming to you particularly so your interior life yeah but then he goes through and describes the exterior things and the eucharist right the sacrament sure, sure. scripture the priest right and then and you so have the, the church. church yeah yeah so then like what i i guess what i'm wondering when i'm hearing you say all that is is it actually the pro- so you said like the church kind of they're seeming to contradict each other which yeah. i think is like a fair point yeah and then i also think there's like stuff that can actually there can be tension things can be two things at once yeah, yeah. you know like um i was talking about this with a good buddy of mine trying to understand a bit more about john paul ii's and benedict's view on um on labor and they seem sometimes a little contradictory but he was saying like well they like they could be but they also just may they both might be true and they're able to hold that attention a bit and that's okay because light like life has gradients right and so if when if the church is hard to you know hard to understand hard to cling to often seems to be contradicting her herself then i'm relying on the individual and my own experience of of my own relationship with christ which in and of itself is not a bad thing but when that is not checked by the church and you're in a culture where you are raised that like you think therefore you are you determine your own reality yeah that has an impact even if you reject it because yeah. our entire framework of how we understand everything is built through that. Yeah. And yeah. so that that's where I think some of this disconnect comes in. 
is because there are these things where I'm like, and okay, I'll just point to my own life. We've you we've argued a lot, and I've worked through very loudly some of the stuff I'm having with like all the liturgies because I love yeah. the old stuff, but then I can't say that that's right, and then that the felt masses of Vatican II are wrong, the felt banner of masses of Vatican because like I have seen those profoundly said, and I have like experienced God, and I have seen God's love, like, and so there's this thing of like, well, it, it can't be like like one's got to be right and one's got to be wrong. I'm like, well, is that actually true? Yeah. But it's because I think that like I need to understand which one is right because I am the one who's determines like what is right and what is wrong ultimately is how I've been raised to view. Yeah. I mean, all of us all through like yeah, you know, it's so funny you're saying this because this is like in a way you're touching upon the principal critique of the West. And by the West, I don't mean the inheritance of Judeo Christianity. I mean the Latin version, the Latin side as opposed to the Greek side of Christianity. The Greek side uh, and and all the Eastern provinces and North African, they look at us and they say, "Quit trying to scrutinize the the mystery, mm-hmm. right? Like like because of our inheritance of Roman civil law and the way it got embodied in canon law and then feudalism and British common law, like all of these things in the Middle Ages separated from the the Roman Empire in the East. It led to entirely different i mean think about this in the east you had four of the five principal seeds still being maintained right still being maintained still what existing. do you mean by seeds for people who don't know uh, seeds, you seats the 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 apostolic seats from the original 12 apostles so you got alexandria egypt you have jerusalem alexandretta which, <laughs> which jerusalem the muslims kind of took care of the that but there was still somewhat uh overlap the arabs let that happen somewhat but then you have Antioch and Constantinople Mm -hmm. and you have those and then there's Rome and Rome is first Rome has primacy and then third Rome is of course Moscow in in orthodox theology so you you think about this so you have these five seats these five seats of apostolic origin and then within these kind of seats the east gets divided at the Adriatic so Italy has very little to do with Greece mostly because of the rise of Islam and the collapse of the empire in the western part of part of Mm -hmm. Europe Mm-hmm. But then think about this. But the one sea that remains is the primary sea, is is the Vatican, is is the is Rome. And so the the universal church has only got one guy at the top. Whereas in the east, they have four guys that are near enough the top. So that there's like organic development happens in all different ways, but the head of the whole church is in the West. And so the head of the whole church had a lot more interaction with Western kings and princes and could affect a lot more events so it's just interesting mm-hmm. that in the west you have this strong feudalistic move you did you were insulated from islam from poland on down because of the presence of the eastern empire and moscow and all that stuff but in the middle you have this this unique thing that's that's developing and especially with saint thomas aquinas and the scholastic with the rise of scholasticism in general not just thomas but you have this desire for aristotelian precision Hmm. But the critique comes in, you can tend to be a rationalist if you let that impulse go way too far. And from the beginning of Thomism, the East has criticized this impulse as like, like when, you know, understanding transubstantiation. There, I, I remember when we were at the Greek Orthodox, um, the Greek festival in Atlanta, and it was awesome. The guy outside was like, what? And he was like, you could tell he was a layman that was super excited. And I've told the story before, but he was like, what happens when mass is celebrated and the Eucharist is made? The priest says the prayers of consecration, and then it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, or it becomes Jesus. 
Now, is that transubstantiation? No, we can't define it. And it's like, <laughs> you got so mad. Right. I did. I got so I'm mad. like, we're just in line. Let it go. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. Um, and I won't. It was a beautiful church. And I told the priest, all <laughs> hey, the guy out there is misrepresenting conciliar Christology and the Catholic Church. Anywho. But um, but that notion of transubstantiation. Hire me. Here's my card. Yeah. Like, I got a podcast. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, we're, we have one Orthodox Patreon supporter, and he loves the hell out of us. But no, constantly. And and the best part with the quote unquote uniate churches, the Eastern Catholics who are Eastern churches that are that are united Rome, is they are bringing huge amounts of this Eastern view into Catholicism. And a lot of 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 the Novel Theology guys, the the Vatican II guys, my, my boys, my boys, they start like pumping the brakes, and they're like, "Yeah, there is elements of this that ought to provide a cautionary tale, at least a giant yield sign as we plunge ever forward in our distinctions and and all that stuff." So what? So what does the East tell the West again? I'm still a little bit confused about that. You, you're you're trying to define too much of the mystery. Do you think that kind of ties in a weird way, like ties into what we we're saying with 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 like um with big fish where it's like you're trying to understand this to a point where it's just like you're actually i'm missing the bigger picture yeah that that's that's what they that in a lot of ways that's what they talk about right yeah. like our obsession over like a legalistic parsing out of um mortal sin and venial sin are legal like they they see it as it all tends towards legalism i don't, I don't know you could call it phariseeism but or whatever but because for instance when the exodus series i guess that daily wire is putting on with jordan peterson right jordan peterson did this famous genesis series which was incredible looking at it from a psychological lens and he's doing it for exodus he's been saying to do it for years and then he stopped but then daily wire funded it and he has a bunch of people representing jews and christians and and non-believers on this panel and jonathan padju i don't know how you say his name jonathan french guy he's french canadian but he's orthodox and they were talking about whether like when does is pornography count as adultery and everyone the the jews and the christians are debating back and forth and jonathan just goes this argument is so foreign to me like this is just weird like like i feel like you're just splitting hairs and but i'm sure he's saying and that's totally a western way of thinking like we want to make razor sharp distinctions mm-hmm. and maybe when we stare at god the mysterium tremendum the the tremendous mystery we can't always do that well, and, and you know it's like the relationship between with predestination. When does God's sovereignty end and human freedom begin? That line doesn't really exist in a way that's knowable to human person. Hmm. Now that doesn't mean that what we say in our investigations are are meaningless, mm-hmm. but it does mean that there's always a greater mystery because we're talking about infinitude. We're talking about God mm-hmm. and our little brains. That's all. Man, that really opens up a lot of stuff because I, like that it makes theology more about prayer and mm-hmm. humility mm-hmm. doing theology on your knees than it does about figuring everything yeah. out we want to figure well and, like and i just i just i go back to my point earlier about like when you are raised to think that you define your own reality yeah every story that you read every movie you watch every yeah. tv show that you pay attention like how of course you're going to cling to that stuff yeah, like it makes total uh, it makes total sense to me. And if and if you don't know who to turn to, then you're going to turn to the demigods. Yeah. And I'm f- frustrated, and all this is hard. So, and I, like, oh, I, okay, okay, R- rate what you're saying. Okay, Matthew Crawford in his we talked about it way back in the day in his book, the world be uh, the world Ruby outside your head. head or yeah. World, yeah, 
he has this line where he's talking about everyone wants to be an individual, right? The idea is accept no truth, the enlightenment principle, accept no truth other than the truths that you yourself can prove. Yeah. And he said, that's impossible. No human being can live that way. There is so much in our lives, so many truths in our lives that we just take for granted. Mm-hmm. Not even, we don't even know that we're accepting some truth or some syllogism or whatever. And he said, so this is what happens, especially politically and morally and religiously, you could say. Most people do not have the mental capacity to scrutinize philosophically or theologically the things that they hold. And he said, so what most individualists do who champion individual freedom of expression and all that stuff, most of the time what we do then is what do we do? We default to groupthink, right? We look for the demigods. We look for the, the signposts. We look for the people that say, yeah, that's, a, that's the banner I want to wear. I we like for these the podcasters. things. Yeah. Well, as well they should yeah, yeah, please uh, patreon.com slash yeah. <laughs> now more than ever <laughs> now please god now so, more than ever really not kidding now more than ever <laughs> hey i'm here to talk to you about net at netusa.org slash apply so you guys may have heard me talk about on the podcast in the past that one of my biggest regrets is that i didn't do net i think i really would I would love that. I almost went to Net Australia, I think, or something. It was talked about. Uh, my friend Danielle called maybe Net Island. I don't remember. It was like 20 years ago. Anyways, I have worked with Net in the past for other projects I've been a part of. I've been to their home campus. They're a fantastic organization. One of the most impressive I've ever been with an organization was actually when I went to go and visit Net from top to bottom. Just awesome, amazing people. And they are calling you today to apply to be a Net missionary. If you or, or someone you know could serve to be a Net missionary, please tell them about this link, netusa.org slash apply. The reality is that young people today are growing up in a largely post-Christian culture, making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics through relational ministry to follow Christ and embrace a life of community in the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, Net Missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. As a Net Missionary, you will meet young people who need to hear your particular story. Your journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a net missionary, go to netusa.org slash apply. That's netusa.org slash apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about net's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to apply today. That's netusa.org slash apply. N-E-T-U-S-A, U-S-A, U-S-A, N-E-T-U-S-A. Dot org slash apply. Go check out netusa.org slash apply and, f- and become a net missionary. This is the Lord calling you to do it. Do it. Luke said so. Yeah. And, and let me just tell you, as, as we were sitting here, my wife texted me, right? Remember the tree guy came? Yeah. This is what it says. It's going to be $6,750. I'll show you the trees he said are damaged. Then there's one more that he says is dangerous, but maybe can wait. And they need to have it by Friday so they can start cutting them down. Are you paying for that or does that come from your insurance or your reimbursed? 
Well, our insurance company didn't return our phone calls for a solid week, so they're only coming out tomorrow morning, so hopefully they will pay us. And here's a cool thing. A buddy of mine is a roofer, Brian the the Thomas, the peeping Thomas. He also does... He does, he's not a roofer. He is a salesman for a roofing company. Uh, and the, and that all, yeah, that <laughs> it's, a, it's a side gig of a side gig of a side gig. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, what a man. I know. Like, like shockingly, I know. Yeah. CrossFit yeah. Philosophy. I mean, it's like little, when like your main job is like a church liturgist, you're not going to think like roofer sales guy as well. You know, what's funny at St. Anthony's, there's like three dudes like that. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I build custom homes and do music for liturgy. But no, Brian, Brian was like, listen, man, I'm going to send my guy, the, the, the head, uh, roofer guy. He's going to come tomorrow when your insurance adjuster's there and he's going to walk, he's going to be your advocate. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Cause this is going to be thousands. And th- I mean, all my fences are destroyed. All this yeah. is destroyed. I'm a sad little Gomer. So patreon.com <laughs> slash. Yeah. And I promise you, I do spend every dollar that comes in on my family <laughs> because they're terrible. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, yeah it, um but but that's a that's a t- it, it really is a danger going back to our thing like the yeah. demigods yeah. is it's a way of feeling like we're thinking through things and we all do it there's not a single human being alive that doesn't do it that doesn't say oh i prefer von balthazar versus de lubach and you, you might have never read de lubach right but people say that right oh i prefer the communio school versus I mean, do you think that's why people um, lose their shit over dare we to hope when it's just like listen you ha- you don't understand it like <laughs> Just relax. Well, I, I think, but, but okay. So then the other side is too uncomfortable, doesn't it? No, 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 no. I'll, oh, no, not at all. Not even remotely because dare we hope originally called, is it permissible to hope? Um, was it's like a, it's like a fringe part of a, it's like a side project of a, it's like roofing. It's a side project project for him to like investigate. And it became like this flashpoint for people like Ralph Martin, who I, I love Ralph Martin, but I'm like, yeah, no, no. Um, but the thing is, here, here's the other thing, though. If you have teachers that you trust, number one, you have to realize that your teachers are just as susceptible to the, what do you call them, demigods yeah. at, that we yep. are, that we yep. lay people, you know. But also, if you have teachers that you trust and they give you their trusted opinion, I think there's this element where it's like, I, I can accept it without investigating further. And, and as long as they give me good reasons. There's a line from, there's a line from Marcus Aurelius's meditation that I've been reading. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. He says, Fucking everything man. we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not a perspective, not a truth. Hmm. And I just think like if, if, if you walk through, it's kind of like a universal skepticism tends to cancel itself out. But there is this notion of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I hear someone speak in absolutes, uh, in, including me, which, uh, you know, fan of the show, Rebecca called me out on, and I'm thankful that she did. But there's these elements of, like, we can speak with such certitude about that which we know so little about. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we speak with certitude is because is we know 1%. We think that 1% is 100%. And so uh, everything we hear is an opinion. Even if that's not true, like there are true things that we hear, that, that attitude will actually pull you away from false idol worship. Hmm. We don't need no demigods. No demiurge here. Interesting. Interesting. So, like, what? Okay. So then, if I'm, like, how can this? How can we take this beyond our heads and actually make our lives better with this? <laughs> like, because I mean, is it, so okay. Yeah. Like, here's here's why I ask this because in addiction recovery, you've got mm. your like on the surface stuff. 
You know, yeah. so like, I'm not going to go down this street. I'm not going to talk with this guy. I'm going to get rid of my dealers. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get rid of his like number on the phone. I'm going to, you know, you can check my records, all that stuff and blah, blah. And, and that's all good. That's all very important. Yeah. But then there's like the next layer, which is like the emotion, like perhaps here's yeah. the things I'm going to try to do for myself whenever this, you know, comes up. But then there is the next layer where it's like, here's the healing that, you know, I need. And all three, four or five on the levels need to be working at all times. Yeah. And when there's a breakdown in one, it can lead to a breakdown. And the other, and it's just, it's, it's important to like understand, and I'm not an expert in this by any means necessary, but like, you know, that I just think it's a very fascinating concept. So it's like, is, is this why perhaps just getting off the internet isn't really enough? Because it's not really the internet's yeah. fault. Right. So like, and right. The internet has an amplifying effect, but it's not the cause of. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I do think, yeah. And so like, what do you do? Like, so to me, I, I think like. What I struggle with a lot is um, I saw this really great thing on Twitter from this Jesuit. I think he's a brother about to become a priest or something. That sometimes it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And I don't remember his name, so I apologize. But it's this great thing about like, hey, when your bishop like, because there's this one uh, bishop. I think it's Strickland or whoever got called out by the Vatican. He was angry about it, and he was like, hey, like going back to your point, like there are saints who were called out, and. They're saints, and they yeah. followed it. And he, he's pointing towards this one saint who actually like rebuked his followers who were trying to fight Rome. Yeah, and it's like, do we need a little bit more of that? Then do we need to like kind of like even though if Pope Francis is saying stuff where it's like, <laughs> like do we need to kind of just be like, well, history um judges the popes, Catholics don't. Do we need to back up like 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 where yeah. you know do we need to work a bit more on, on our obedience, particularly to our own local bishop, and then to Rome and to our priest? Yeah. Do we need to. Do we need to, you know, just perhaps open the air a bit with like our friends and you know our communities about what does obedience actually look like? Because I don't think, I think ignoring the conversation online or unplugging, whether that be like once a week or as a whole or for a, a season, all good. You're solving like a symptom. You're just going right instead of going on left and you're going to go home and you're going to get stress and you're going to, sorry, and you're going to get stress and that's going to trigger the addiction and you're going to like you know so it's like what do you do to like get to a point where like you're there's some real inner inner healing going on or there's some like actual real hardcore changes yeah. as opposed to things that you're avoiding yeah it, well and then you add to this um that we also as lay people we have a right to voice our concerns to the hierarchy, right? And see, th this is the part, this is what always muddies the water. So let's say you want to be perfectly humble, but you also want to be faithful. You might have to become St. Catherine of Siena, right? You might have to go up to the Pope and say, you're wrong, get your butt home, leave Avignon behind, right? And there might be spiritual Avignons that Pope Francis is living in, or JP2, or Benedict, or Pope Pius XII, like, I don't just want to focus on Francis, yeah, yeah. but Francis is a pope who is entirely a member of the digital age and, uh, and, and uh, the social media age, because obviously Benedict has been around since the internet, but the, the social media age, he's the pope of that time frame. And it is crazy to think that we have access to everything, including the really, really good things like his Lenten reflections of, of. 2021 were just incredible but then like the the comments that actually add confusion like when you go on the uh where he says uh the the catholic church's morality is still in diapers and it's like you just so i mean like comments like that sell out the church but at the same time 
to say what Bishop Strickland said. So again, I'm a layperson and I'm talking about things that I've heard, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like, but for Bishop Strickland to you know to go too far in his statement uh, about Pope Francis that he's leading people away from the church, but this these are the most these are extremely these are extremely confusing times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be a Catholic. Yeah. So then the question I think becomes epistemological: How do I know that I know? Right, and this is the point of. This is why tradition matters so much. Mm -hmm. Tradition matters because what has been held by the faithful is the everyone everywhere is a sure guide for what should be held by me. What is things that I've never heard before can be development of doctrine, but should always be held in grave suspicion until it's been filtered through Holy Mother Church, her theologians, her laity. There's always been theological. I think we also have a naive faith where we think that the church has never had theological controversy, except maybe at, at, at like, you know, Nicaea and Constantinople, and that was it. But the church has always been because the truth matters, mm-hmm. and people are trying to figure out the truth. Sometimes they overstate it, understate it. You know, Joachim of Fioria, he's a blessed because he burned his books. He was one of these people who was a clear heretic, and he's like, no, I'm a son of the church, burn it, and he got rid of all of his books. Disowned it, and his followers also were more psychotic. But happens. Um, but yeah, it is difficult. Like if I heard, a, like for instance, I heard a priest say, uh, "You better be careful. You might end up worshiping the host." Hmm. Hmm. Well, I do. <laughs> his name is Jesus, and he is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the host. And he meant a consecrated host. He wasn't. Oh, whoa! I sorry, I, mean, I misunderstood what you said. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying yeah, that, to I'm read a question, so that the man okay. threw you off. Joe, edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, keep it in. People need to know. (laughs) It makes us human. But he said, you better be careful. You might end up worshiping the host. And the person that he said it to was like, I do. It's Jesus. And he's like, "Mm," and just walked away. Wait, who was that? Who said that? This was a a priest in very high regard who made a comment to someone else. and And they were just talking about Eucharistic devotion. And he was explaining, like, oh, I'm a little nervous about this. And it wasn't like an antagonistic, like, let's fight over the holy sacrifice of the mountain. It wasn't any of that. And the yeah. guy just said, you better be careful or you're going to start worshiping the host. Now, if you have priests that say that, or you have priests, I mean, we, we do. We have priests that deliberately lead people astray, knowing full well what the church teaches. That's where I think the laity need to be bold, mm-hmm. but not be jerks. And also, this is where the demigods, this is where they get their ammo. And it's like the sins of the saints pave the way to hell for so many of the faithful. It is very like like how you said before. It is very hard, and you can drive you insane trying to hold all these things, yeah, together. And there may just be an aspect of like personal, person like personal like surrender. Like I've talked about this before. And I don't know. I don't know if we want to go down go down this road or not. But like sometimes I just wonder how culpable we are for some of the stuff that we do. Mm. When when like like our entire our frame of reference disregards being. Yeah. So, like, where do, when that is gone, wh- how do you even start? Yeah. How, when when you're exposed to pornography at the age of six, how do you how do you even start? When like mm-hmm. everything's when we are raised in a country where it's ingrained in your brain that it's a self made man that counts, a deliberately unChristian idea, mm-hmm. and some like antithetical to a lot of what we believe. <laughs> Literally, they said against the monkish virtues, meaning Catholicism. Yeah, when like, they wrote this I mean, there's a heresy called Americanism for a reason. <laughs> like it, 
and like and like that's I just want and I'm not saying like everyone should be fine. I'm just like like maybe we need to show each other a lot of grace. Yeah, and maybe that I'm like I want to step away from a great point that okay. You guys talked about on your show like should the church start to try to regulate as she can, not in terms of like as a whole, just like with what authority she has, what people are saying on the internet in the name of the church, which would include us. Did did we talk about that? You, I feel like you hinted at it a bit. Like you quickly, quickly. Oh, I, like, I was talking about our, dis- we need a lot more discernment yeah. over what and, people like us say. And yeah. is that discernment, should that actually be coming from the church a bit? I know this oh. has been talked about. This yeah, Bishop talk- Barron was yeah. the main one that was talking about. And that. I'm like, and I, I have such weird feelings about that because there's, there's yeah. one part of me that's like, yes, and there's this other part of me that's like, no, but people need like the wrestling with it. But it's like, but then we're screwing, yep. like, are we like, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and this gets really weird really quickly. And it, and it, and I, I don't know. I don't know like what that answer is. Like I, as a person who loves this, who feels very called to do this, who we have never had a time where this thing was going to end more than this past, um, more than this past year. And uh, more on that in a few weeks. Let's call it a tease. <laughs> oh, barely. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I remember reading this book in college. I think it was like Dr. Grayson or something. He taught a class where he was like, yeah, we really should like censor like a lot more stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> you're nuts. And I don't agree with this. But when he made his argument, I was like, okay, I kind of see what you're saying now. But still, yeah. ah, like, do we need to yeah. maybe be a little bit more? Is there a way to do this where it's not just me being like, you know who's a jerk? That guy who got mad when we said his name, so I'm not going to. Like, Just thinking about that today. Do we need to be doing that a little bit more? Like, do, like, do we need to be willing to be rebuked by, by priests? Like, do we need to say to priests or to like, like bishops, hey, if we're out of line, I need you to tell us if you, if you listen. You know what I mean? Like, like should, we have, should there be a little bit more accountability? Yeah, should we not? Sh- okay, let me see this. Should we not? call ourselves a catholic i mean we don't but we kind of do should we not call ourselves a catholic podcast because we don't have the the little like this is without air thing yeah and I, I don't know how you do that with with podcasts i really don't i have no idea yeah you don't like how we would can't. you do that yeah we can't because the uh the uh content is ever changing so they can't slap it on they can yeah. slap it on our old episodes hey not only do you get a dynamically inserted ad <laughs> you also get an imprimatur yeah, you know, let me see if I can find. There is <laughs> dynamic ad. Yeah, oh, we got so much more work to do with the megaphone twins. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to find. There, there's actually some good stuff in Chris Fidei's laity. Heard of it? Saint John Paul's on the vocation of the laity, and it was great. It was about how the laity and the clergy should work together for the propagation of the faith, and also in the Code of Canon Law, JP two added a right to the laity, a right to the faithful. And we have the right to proclaim the gospel. We really, really do. But that's not in, yeah, we have a right to participate in the lives of the church and, and doing this stuff. Sure. And it's not because, mm-hmm. so here's actually a funny story from history. There's a, 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 a famous Thomas named Etienne Gilson, um, or as we call him, Etienne Gilson. And um, he had, <laughs> we, he we, was we, writing oh, to, in a dinner here. he was sorry. writing, a lot of, be my guest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to glance at my shelf to see if I have it. But he was writing uh, a series of letters to Henri de Lubac. Henri de Lubac was a, a Dominican friar who was writing on the ecclesiology, the relationship between grace and nature. And he was censured by his order because he was pushing something that kind of flew in the face of neo-scholasticism at that time. 
And he was saying, no, this better represents Thomas and Thomas's original views, right? So he can't do that. Meanwhile, on the other side of Europe, there's Etienne Gilson by the other side, I think, on the other side of France. Uh, Gilson was writing, and they started writing letters to each other. And he's like, because I'm a layman, I don't have this fancy thing called obedience like you do, which is a vow you made to your superior who, when he got enough blowback, and I don't know the whole historical thing, but so let's just mm-hmm. pretend like my tabloid version is yeah. correct. He gets a bunch of blowback from other Thomas, and he's like, oh, I'm going to shut you down. You're not allowed to talk about that. It ended up being a huge blessing because he talked about other things in the church, ecclesiology most particularly. But uh, it ended up like, but Henri de uh, Gilson, because he's a layman, he wasn't under the authority of, obviously, of the Bishop of the Pope, but he could write. He could do whatever he wanted. No one could stop him. And mm-hmm. that led to a lot of really great things. So this is where the difficulty comes in mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. – the laity ought not to be silenced because maybe there are some things that the clergy are missing that the laity can share. The laity ought not to run their mouths as if church teaching, theology, morality were the playthings of children and half-formed minds and half-formed consciences. I can tell you for a fact, I have met tons of Roman Catholics who everyone would admit they are rock star Catholics, right? Mm-hmm. Daily mass, all that stuff who do not understand like the nuances of Catholic morality. And when you start to talk about it, they're like, what? I don't believe that. And I'm like, I'll show you in the catechism where it says this, and you better believe it. Joke's on you, like, sucker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you can, you can run through the whole thing, right? You got yeah. a leftist, you tell them about uh, private, <laughs> private property and all this stuff. You got a right-winger. You talk about uh, you know, the church's you know, common good and understanding of solidarity and subsidiarity and stuff. And it's just fascinating. Like It can alienate anyone, and people have their assumptions. So... Um, in short, I don't know the answer. I don't know the way through, but I do know fidelity to the gospel is the first and foremost. Well, and I'm wondering if like, kind of go back to the, your points about the book, like in the brothers Karamazov or whatever it's called, Karamazza. they, which I'm only like a hundred pages in, I've been trying to read it for the past two years, but you're a podcaster. So you're an expert. Oh, totally. I feel very qualified to say this. <laughs> I've written, I've, I have underlined and shared things. <laughs> I've tweeted the crap out of like one of the characters goes to this like monastery. I've I've heard of others before where like they basically take a vow of obedience to a spiritual director, mm-hmm. and it's like whatever you say, like I'll do it because I'm I'm with you during this thing. I'm being performed if if I want to stay here. Like I wonder if it's actually would be beneficial. I'm not saying it should be a rule or anything, but like yeah, for us to have okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to I'm, like, I'm going to like, use us as as an example of like do we need a person that we're actually being like obedient to. Do we need to have like a father John just be like, you shouldn't say that? And like, and it's like, okay, you may be wrong, you might be right, but like we're gonna be obedient to you because we need to be obedient we to someone. Should absolutely do that. Yeah. Like we I'm, should absolutely do that. But it has to be a priest who's willing to listen to us. And and that's the thing, like, who, who has time? <laughs> you know, I mean, besides like, I mean that guy from New York, that priest from New York who gave us all that money know, he man. wants to do. So funny story. Please father, be our brother. <laughs> so that money's now gone. We need yeah. <laughs> That money's gone. I my taxes. That was great. It was so yeah. good. Thank you, sir. Oh, God bless you. But no, I mean like, and, and I don't think, that, I don't know that's good stuff because like priests barely have time to be spiritual directors to the people that actually need it. Yeah. And so, but is there something where like you can actually have a religious, a priest, whoever, who's in a place where they have the formation, they're qualified to do that, to like kind of be like, hey, you guys, rein it in a bit or stop yeah. talking about this. Like you're not, or like you're fine, you know? Like when everything yeah. that, that, when everything that was going on this past year, there were certain priests that I reached out to, like, I need to know if you think this is okay, if, we, if I keep going, like, this is what's going on. 
And I need, because it was tough. It's like, what do I do? Like, do I just stop? Mm. Like, if I stop, hurts my vocation, hurts, like, hurts on yours, and we're making a tremendous impact in the in the church. And Siri just, um, his Apple Watch is, like, great but terrible. I was like, what? And it was just everything I was just, I'm saying. It, oh, um, gosh. I know, right? Siri is on a hair trigger at just, all times. Yeah, it's like, there's a thing called called a wrist here, and if it bends your hand back, it hits the button in it, you know? You know what you need to do is you need to flip it upside down and then go into the settings and change orientation that the buttons go in the other way. I don't want to do that. I like it here. I know, no, no. I don't even know why I brought it up. I apologize. Ah, you monster. No, so, but. I know. That, that's actually a really good point. Now, now I feel like I'm an idiot. But I, Find but, the thread. Find you, the thread. I, what were you talking about? Yeah, I can't remember. Right. <laughs> but, like, should there be something where, you know, like, we... Again, I don't think you should have this if you're a pod, you know, like when you hit a certain point where it's like, hey, actually, because I, I get terrified that like we're scandal. Oh, OK, here, here's yeah. what it was. When I was yeah. talking with people about like everything that was going on, I was like, we're making such an impact. It's serving our like our like our you know, vocations, but it's hard to do that while this crazy stuff is happening. And like, I feel so unqualified. I feel so like, you know, like just and everyone was like, no, it's OK. Like, here's why. And like, that was really helpful. And mm-hmm. what if you had that a little bit more with some where we could, you know, check in and be like, hey, so we're, you know, we're talking about this. Is this, a, should we, you know, is that okay? Is that, you know, I don't know, just like a thing to kind of just keep us in check a, a bit. Yeah. And if anyone needs to be held in check, it would be us. Totally. Because we say the craziest crap. <laughs> with blatant disregard. We used to drink so much. At the beginning of our oh podcast, when we were in our thirties, I don't you remember being in your thirties. I don't think people beautiful. understand how much we used to drink. Like we would be like kind of drunk by the end of every no, episode, uh, no. every week. That only happened once. No, I mean, okay, I, okay, I mean drunk as in um, Franciscan drunk, like not like oh real, yeah, Francis- drunk. You need yeah. to clarify that because we might have some new listeners that don't know that Franciscan That's drunk true. is lightly buzzed. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, okay, like yeah. How many drinks do you think you would have by the end of? I'm, I'm talking. Let's go through. Wait, are we wrapping up the topic of the show? And this is the concluding yeah, 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 yeah. All right, folks. Here we go. Go. I would say we probably were averaging five, which is a lot of drinking per person. Yeah, but we would also. It was in two hours. Right. <laughs> so that's you know that's take, totally that takes that's the not at all. That this drinking count. is five over the course of a night. Might as well be drinking water. <laughs> In fact, I think it was healthier for me than like, I drank. Do you know how many times I would have like? Do you remember I had that Pappy Van Winkle that I won, which is an extremely expensive bourbon? Yeah, it was like pot- thirty dollars a glass or something. Equivalent. At least, I mean, yeah. you could sell it for one to three thousand dollars. And so, I would like we'd be we started the podcast like, oh, I want to, I'll have like a little bit of this. I would like leave some in a glass overnight because we would just keep going. Man, what a, what glorious times! Can I confess something to you? Yeah, at the frat recording mm-hmm. i was so nervous whatever liquid was put in front of me just like when we went to the matt frad show mm-hmm. five years ago and recorded in that studio that in atlanta that long ago it was probably even longer <sighs> i remember i drank all of the coffee and all of the water and all of the cans of sparkling water that they had for us mm-hmm. because when i get nervous i fidget with my hands you can watch me in pints of the quinas I, I touch my nose and i put more yeah. than i ever have yeah it's because of the studio set. I didn't feel nervous when I'm actually talking with Matt, but the moment I stop talking, I, I do I drink. Right? So he brought out a thing of whiskey. I didn't know he was gonna bring that. I don't really like whiskey all that much, but I drank at least half a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> that's, that's now I had eaten like two minutes before I had finished dinner. Yeah, like, you know, whatever, ten minutes before we hit record. Tell me you went to Damon's. Uh no, no. I don't have time for that. Uh <laughs> I really didn't. I, w- I was like, oh, it's funny. I haven't even walked campus. I'm just 
here for the event and I'm out. Yeah. But um, at one point, Matt moved the bottle away from me because as soon as my glass would be empty, I grabbed the bottle and fill it up. He moved it to be nice to not have to like yell at me like Gormley, slow down. And I just reached further over <laughs> and grabbed it. Like, no, no, this is Captain Fox's time. <laughs> <laughs> this is called Gallons with Aquinas. Um, <laughs> no, but and at the end of the night, like we were leaving and I was going back to the hotel and, you know, and I, and I, I had drank a ton of water when I was flying and at the airport and I had yeah. a, like two sodas. And I mean, he even put a, a Zevia. That's what he spit up all over the place whenever I, um, Whenever I made a joke, uh, which is now one of their short clips, but um, uh, it, it was so disgusting. The soda that he gave me it was like cream soda Zevia, and I drank the whole thing. Just this is this is me the whole time. I'm just nervous, and I'm, I don't know. I shouldn't be doing that with my hands, but I was nervous, <laughs> and I drank it. I drank everything, and then I got back to the hotel, and I laid down, and I was like, "Oh, this room is kind of spinning." <laughs> oh no, this is Luke in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, so then I fell asleep and I woke up at four and I was like, ah, I feel terrible and I have to give the talk tonight. <laughs> this is awful. But I ended up, I ended up feeling great. And after the Advil, I came in, down but... with the flu three hours later. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a magical flu that only lasts 10 minutes. <laughs> so your boy went out with, went out with Patty and with Christina, your mom and your sister. Yeah. And on Friday night, you painted the town red. Yeah. Me and Christina to close the bar down. You were talking about some real deep stuff about our dad and theology and God. Well, some guy was trying to talk with us about Umvarsi Blues. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I may have had absinthe. He just leaned over and went, I don't want your life. I know. I kept I kept trying to say anything, but Christina was wanted to, to talk about deep stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but Varshi Blues is on right now. So let's kind of go back and forth. But there was this, so we were at this like wine, um, restaurant, like wine bar with got food. It was great. Then we went to this other bar that had absinthe. And I was like, give me a glass of that. And so in between the two, I had just other drink that had a spray of, of absinthe. I had normal absinthe. And I was like, man, dying to do my spoof podcast of, of absinthe with Balthazar. Just think yeah. it'd be super cool. It'd be, it'd be a lot of jazz. A lot of incense and peppermint. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this is it. Uh, are we good? Did, did we do it? I think we did it. Hey, I, this is kind of fun. Maybe this was fun. Maybe this will help us. Four o'clock, three o'clock, magic hour. Yeah. Now I got to go downstairs and talk to my wife about the damage. So if you are new here, hit the like button and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you enjoyed this, we are on all podcast platforms. We think there may be two on iTunes. Got to fix that. Um, and yeah, we are. I'm catching foxes. patreoncom cf If you've enjoyed this, it helps us. Thanks to our sponsors, Net, for sponsoring today's episode of Catching Foxes. And Love what else have we got? Hey, is Brad at Net? Brad. Bursa? No, no. Bursa's, no. Mm-hmm. Who's that net that you know? Andrea Patch? She's in the Cincinnati. I, I know like a bunch of people who are in that. But yeah. I think she's in the Cincinnati office. Okay. Barnes? I, is he there? Uh, no, Barnes is, I think Barnes is, um, I don't know what he's doing. I, I know. I'm not, I'm either not sure. way, either way, just want to say, I love Net. Yeah, they're great. They're I, great. I love Net. I love Net. Yeah. Thank I, you for sponsoring us, Net. I love you. My wife loves you, and the tree trimmer loves you. People think I'm cool. People think I'm cool. <laughs> I may have moved from a C-list Catholic celebrity to a D-list Catholic celebrity, but it's better than not being a Catholic celebrity. <laughs>